I'm Chris Peters, and this is the Consultant Side Gig Podcast for those seeking a future in marketing consultancy to complement their day job, or for those looking to build knowledge that enables them to build a full-time career as a consultant. Building your own marketing consultancy doesn't happen overnight, and it's not down to luck. So we share the stories for those that have done it, are doing it, and the lessons I learned along the way. We'll unpack their tricks and tips to kickstart your very own consultant journey. So let's go. Stefan, welcome to the Consultant Psychic Podcast. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm being, I'm very excited about being on this podcast and sharing actual knowledge, uh, actionable knowledge with with you and you know with your uh, listeners. So um, super excited, guys. Let's start this. Yeah, yeah. Excited to have you. I think we picked up um, conversations a little while ago, and there's a few topics that I'm really keen. To, to drill in today but before we get into that do you mind uh, telling our audience and listeners a little bit about yourself your history where you are now what you've been doing for the last few years and um what what you're working on right now sure awesome so um cool so uh, at, at this moment i uh, i live in budapest i used to live in different capital and european capitals i also uh, lived in the u.s I'm a consultant and I consult companies, B2B SaaS, but not only SaaS, basically all B2B companies on go-to-market strategy, uh, on account-based marketing, account-based sales, uh, and uh, demand generation, sales and marketing alignment. Um, I have a small uh, boutique firm um, where we basically encompass all of all of these uh, topics. <clears throat> and I work with, as I mentioned, with B2B companies. Um, I came to I came to doing this before because I I uh, worked for different agencies. I've learned a lot from other very smart founders, bootstrap founders, and also people who have gotten money from VCs. And I've had my own companies which I started, and um, well, most of them failed. You know, I'll be honest. Uh, but you know, there is no basically in the business world. Well, there is no failure. There is experimentation or like pivoting. You can call it. So I've learned a lot, lot from those experiences, and you know, I'm I'm really happy to help founders and uh, and uh, C-level execs on how to get a kick-ass go-to-market strategy, how to basically do their best in the business, how can they scale their business uh, using marketing and sales, and and that's that's uh, what I what I've done so far. You, I have a list of projects that I've worked with. You can actually find them on my LinkedIn page, uh, but I've worked with. Maybe five or six industries so far, like aviation, drones, pharma, um, HR, HR and recruiting. Um, you know, like like companies which are like AI connected to AI, some sort of. So a lot of actually industries. Um, so I have like experience in in many of these. So you know, that makes me sort of uh, an interesting an interesting consultant. Um, and um, hopefully I can help you uh, you grow or if you need an advice like just drop by we'll talk no, no interesting so just picking up on a few bits that you've said there so you mentioned we so with your consultancy are you part of a, a larger team is it your consultancy and you have people that work uh, for you like how, how does that uh, shape look like yes that, that's a good question like I usually I don't say pe- people don't work for me. People work with me. Yeah, there, there is an important point. So I like having partners. I don't like being 
let's say the boss, right? Because even if you have a company, I want to grow the company together, you know, and if I invest in these people, then they're together. And it's, I have um, recently, actually, two people joined me um, in one person from um, America and another person from um, Canada. And we are growing uh, Luck Boosters, that's the name of my agency. Um, and uh, we are growing the consulting side. We want to help a lot of businesses with their, as I said, like alignment, sales and marketing, go to market strategy, you know, like get out there and, and get like a sales pipeline, you know, and, and get get the balls moving for, for, your, for, your, for your business, you know. Okay. And then, and then you mentioned there that you've been across like multiple different categories. Is that a tactical decision that you take as a consultancy firm to keep that your breadth of audience quite diverse so you can take up more, um, seek up more opportunities? Or are you looking to niche down in the future? Because lots of people that we speak to like to hone in on a particular niche. So, yeah, is, is there any thought around like how you approach categories that you want to work with? Yeah. That's a good question. So um, the thing is, I learn a lot from each industry that I work with because each industry has something very particular about itself. Um, for example, farmer is conservative, right? Uh, but the, there you learn how to connect with people in the right way because it's so conservative. Human connections are so valuable that you learn like ways how you can you can connect with people, which is not like a which is like something that you can use across other industries. For example, in SaaS, which is very rapid, you know, it's less, way less conservative than pharma is, and it's, it's a very fast-moving um, industry, I would say. So you learn from SaaS about innovation, you know, about competing on brand, and you can bring that into, uh, let's say, industries such as pharma or maybe like uh, healthcare, right, which are, I would say, a bit behind. I'm not talking about medical devices because medical devices is way ahead. I would say, answering your question, I would say um, I have four or five industries where I feel very comfortable. Um, and um, unless unless there is, so I usually, do, so I don't take projects which are like out of this scope usually, unless it's something okay. very, very interesting. There is, there, is a, there is a team, there is a product market fit and yada, yada, yada. And they are like, you know, um, and, and we can see if we have a match. So for me, product market fit and uh, let's say me or agency customer fit is very important. I, w I don't want to work with assholes, okay? I want to work with people who listen to my advice and we can grow together. That's that's the goal I have in mind. Okay. So so on, on that topic of ICP, how have you as a consultancy transitioned over the last like, few years of existence with identifying the ICP. You've mentioned there that you've got four or five categories that you hone in on. We've mentioned it's a no asshole zone. Uh, what, what else do you take into account when, um, or what have you taken into account when looking to work with particular clients? And, and how has that evolved since you started the practice? Yeah, so, well, like everything, like everything in this galaxy, we know I tend to grow, so you know, like everything evolves, expands. So I'm looking for, of course, I'm looking for bigger uh, companies, bigger accounts. But I found my niche in in uh, in SMBs quite 
quite uh, comfortable because with really big companies it's really hard to make a big like a big impact and I want to do an impact with for for with companies that I work with right so how it evolved it evolved with that I started working only I was working mostly with startups and with startups you know you can't maybe you can make one or two k one or two thousand dollars like a project because startups don't need consulting they need mostly execution you know so if you come to with consulting with a consultancy offer to a startup they'll they might laugh you in the face you know i'm talking about a, a, cons- a consultation about a, a yeah. startup sorry in the classical sense of a startup like a, you know like a five six person team you know sort of like not a lot of funding and you know, people are they're tr- struggling to find product market fit that sort of startup and then meanwhile i got more experienced with all these industries and different startups and started working with bigger companies you know like of course my 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 skills grew like my expertise grew i connected with other people who knew a bit more than i do and that's how i uh, basically manage the the bigger the bigger like small the small small agency that i have and um it evolved from very small to to, to bigger uh, and um you know it's it's all evolution actually like you 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 i try i tried several times to like go from let's say i have a consult I, i'm consulting now to startups for 2k and i try to jump to 10 15 thousand dollars per per client but it actually it never worked for me i couldn't feel confident that i will deliver and also in my experience 10 15k like that's usually an, a, a well well-funded uh, uh, mid-sized company or an enterprise already and those people need just a different level of skills like there you they don't really need your technical skills i would say so much they need your skills of like aligning people uh, management um, basically um, uh, putting you know uh, making the uh, aligning all the ducks in a row aligning the strategy to the execution helping them hire those uh, sort of of uh, things interesting because i think that that's the route lots of people talk about they talk about working with startups and consulting with startups but i think it's really understanding how you define what a consult uh what a a startup is i know from experience similar to what you mentioned that i've worked with lots of startups and most of the startups that you work with as the stats say will, will ultimately fail and they come with a whole host of different challenges as well and a lot of those challenges that you alluded to was a lot more emphasis on execution so if you are looking at that consultancy piece then understanding like where can you bring the most value is is really really critical so that so that's super interesting so taking a step back now so you've not so make, making that transition to consultancy, how did that, like, when did you make that transition? Because your LinkedIn profile is super interesting. It's, it's littered with consultancy roles, freelance roles, full-time roles. So how has that journey progressed uh, to where you are now? With a lot of fear, sweat, and tears and blood. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't easy um i got my first i got my first startup job which was like so i i was i was hired for a lot okay so i come from an entrepreneurial family where you know like you 
sort of like have a salary when you have a salary and you don't have a salary when you know business goes goes bad and um you know and then um, i moved to um my my family business went bankrupt because of like different reasons and i was still very young at that time so i moved to um, i moved to um, a different country in europe and um, i started like from the very bottom so i was paid a salary like in a company i worked for microsoft and after you know after a while it became very boring because like I, I i wanted to be in a business so i i found this startup was like hiring and they were like okay so you'll have to like we'll hire you but you'll have to pay your own taxes right so you'll gotta become a, a sole entrepreneur and i literally i felt so much fear and so much in a way challenge i was so hyped up and dopamine that i felt like okay um, I gotta do this shit, or I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna feel boring, like the whole I, until the end of my life. So I did that, and that was the first step from a full-time role into sort of like startup consulting role when you have to hustle. So I, that was the transition from uh, get a paycheck to hustler, right? And from there, and from there on, it basically it basically went on. That was my first technically full-time job, but I had I already. Um, found like a guy we became friends he had an uh, an idea about how to get more clients we started an agency so i had an agency and i was working for a startup and and then uh it went like this i, I changed a few agencies i changed a few uh, full-time jobs and um, nowadays um let's say the past few years i'm doing mostly consulting with uh, some execution so usually it just look look um I, as a consultant, I, I know a lot how a lot of things move, and I know I like to I like to grow really fast. I like things doing, you know, I, I like doing them fast. And very often companies are slower than I am, and I definitely and you know I generally get bored, you know. So that's why I'm like, okay, look, can you guys handle the execution? I'm gonna tell you what to do, and I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do. I'm gonna help you uh, set the strategy, but I'm not gonna execute. Uh, all these things for you because it just I'm gonna get frustrated with myself <laughs> with mm. my own speed, you know. Okay, so so you've gone agency to agency. So this is working for other people's agency. Yeah. And then you made that transition when to work on your own. Um, I would say nineteen twenty two thousand like three right. four years ago. 1920 so how did you get those first few customers what four four years ago or so i'll open up a secret i stole them from my agency oh did you <laughs> it's a joke joke no joke well basically the the agency was the agency i had clients in the agency and they were really not happy with agency management because they had a besides me who was the account manager and then person executing they had also a project manager and like they had other people who were not delivering any value so they offered me why don't you work with us directly and then because you know uh, the contract was lower like the contract was not there was no uh, high amount it was like 2k or something so basically i checked the 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 laws and then they said look um you um I technically could take them, you know, like the, the agency wouldn't wouldn't be able to do anything to me legally, you know. And honestly, 2K for like a 
you know, for a big agency is not, not, not a big loss. So that's why I, I got my first client like that. And then afterwards, um, I, I went to a lot of like startup events. I, I went to meet a lot of people and um, conferences related to SaaS, conferences related to different events, uh, web events. Uh, those were like, like big drivers of, of, uh, of uh, leads and, and content for me. And as I mentioned, I'm, I've also started a podcast and a podcast is an, a, basically an ability for you to scale your relationships, right? Because you can meet so many people just for a podcast, just for talking like I and you do. So those have been like a, a big, big driver of, of, um, of events for me. So interesting. So that dynamic of events, conferences, web events, and podcasts, is that still the core function of bringing in businesses now or has it evolved? Yes. So it's evolved. Yes and no. So I would say that it did evolve. Um, I would say nowadays it's mostly like I get uh, clients like inbound because someone refers someone. So LinkedIn is my, my big, uh, um, well, lead magnet or, or lead, lead source. Um, then I get uh, inbound requests. Um, well, again, some of them come from uh, people who have seen me on Growth Mentor, people who have seen me help uh, on Weasley. I'm in different groups on Facebook where I help people with advice. I, people see my advice, see they, I, I have expertise, and then they refer. Then they refer or, you know, they just so they tell me, oh, I saw your post here. I saw you helping this guy. I have a similar problem. And then they come over and then we talk like if. We discuss whether I can help them or I, I cannot help them. So it is like that. Interesting. And have you used any third-party services to help with with clients? So specific consultancies or, or firms that help you get clients? Or has it all been that content driver, event driver, building out your network? That's that's a good question. Um, I'm, I plan to experiment with that. Um, I plan to experiment with that. Because um, inbound is is inbound is great. You don't have to do much. People, well, more or less, your leads come qualified. But the problem is that you don't have a stable sales pipeline. So that's what I tell all my uh, clients as well. That um, you guys have to invest into outbound, be it ABM or um, content co-creation or you know sales, because inbound is never will never be the same again. Um, you have to invest to keep your sales pipeline steady. So you'll need people who will prospect. And right now I'm kind of scaling, so I would need actually like prospecting. So I'm looking into different options. I'm looking, I'm actually uh, eating my own dog food. So I'm going to prepare a few ABM campaigns, going to target accounts that I'm interested into and maybe uh, use a few other different um, uh, well ways to um, to do sales, but sales is very important. Like you can, as an organization, you need outbound, like 200%. Interesting. And then looking at that ABM, because that was one of the points of our conversation a little while ago, what, what does an ABM look like from a execution perspective and but also how you're thinking about it? Well, ABM, what is ABM? ABM is basically you're trying to it's your it's your um 
specifically building, for you with how you're going to use not in not in general but specifically how oh, you're going not, not to use okay, for me yeah, yeah that's for you ibm for me it is a way how i can build relationships on on scale with with clients and actually find their their needs because like what is ibm is eventually like your way how to uh, basically flow out of this like sea of sameness because there are a lot of consultants you know and what you're looking with ABM is to add a lot of uh, relevancy and personalization and show your potential client that you do you do care about them. You do care about their business and you selected them on purpose. That you do want to, you have ideas about how you can you grow them their business and help them. Because that's what, what all clients want. They want someone who will think about them, their business like they do, you know? And that's what I think we do best, like boosters. We walk the extra mile for the client. Um, in terms of ABM, for me, the most important part for an ABM campaign is the research. So I research very like deeply the clients that I want to work with. Um, I have a sort of strict um, disqualification criteria in the companies that I do not want to work with. Let's say S-Halls, like I don't want to work with S-Halls because I think I can do way more productive things than working with S-Halls and fighting. Um, another like criteria is like, you know, certain stages of development, you know, like getting into product market fit or being close to product market fit. Um, you know, location is also a big um, a big thing. Uh, industries, as I said, you know, industry knowledge, like because I know how companies in that industry grow. So I have an idea about what channels might be working for that particular company. And I have other like non-standard criteria for like qualification, disqualification, such as, for example, I have an, a history of, a good history of working with uh, Israelis or like Jewish founders, right? Um, that's one one of my personal criteria. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not racism per se. It's just like I have a good experience, so it's for me it's a it's a it's a benefit if I have someone uh, in a company uh, like that. So um, and then after research, I basically uh, try to fit my messaging and the results I could get with similar companies to the results they could get with me, and I just send them like it's either like an outreach with with a with a with a grabber with a physical mail or it's something else depends, and um, I try to connect with them and talk and see if there is a match you know, and if there is a match then along the way then we start working and you know we'll uh, we'll we'll see where we can get. So so once you've carried out that thorough piece of research to understand like actually who do you want to reach out to mentioned there that you you have what would be an, an effective like a cold message and you mentioned there possibly a physical um gift or, or or message of some kind how do you try and distinguish yourself because these presumably founders or um senior individuals will be bombarded with um similar queries and questions and, and sales messages from other consultants and agencies. So how are you actually um, getting cut through? Like, What are you doing that's different that gets these people on the phone to you? Yeah, it's a, that's a very good question. So look, um, that's, that's the whole point of ABM actually being different than everyone else, you know? So um, you, I, I wouldn't do ABM in trying to catch my, uh, trying to catch clients if I wasn't sure that I have researched their needs and how relevant is what I can uh, deliver for them with what they actually need. So I look for a sort of like intent 
uh, in their post on, or the company post or like, you know, um, let's say medium, if they have a bot or medium, I try to connect where I can do uh, for them and a certain agenda. And also, again, I try to connect with like-minded people, people who think like me, like my agency, okay? Yeah, you know, there is a there is certain abundance in the world that um, you can get whatever you want if you have the right team and you have the right product, which will meet the, the needs of the customer. That customer, talking to the customer matters, you know? And there is just one person who matters the most, and that's the customer, and not the CEO, not the CPO, chief product officer, and not the head of sales, it's the customer, okay? So the customer, just by go going and voting somewhere else, with their dollars or euro or yen, they can fire everyone in the company. So that's that's very, very clearly understood. Now, what I do what I do better than others is like, basically like client research. I'm, I think I'm quite good of, at figuring out what people want, what people might need. And I try to personalize, I try to be different. So I try to apply um, and talk to their basic needs and basically like have something unique to say. Like, let's say um, I can deliver them a, a cartoon that is going to be uh, unique, or let's say I can deliver a certain thing that will make them feel that I do care. And that's the point of, of the activities that I do in sales, that I want to make them feel, I want to make them uh, see that I care. Okay. And, and do you have an example where you have an existing client or a previous client where you've reached out with a really timely message based on they fit your ICP criteria, they've put out some sort of intent or interesting message on social, or there's a bit of business intelligence that you've used that indicates that they've got a round of funding. Like, have you got a really good example where right time, right place, right message, right founder, where it just worked really, really well? Yeah, of course. Like uh, most of them, mo actually most of my clients are like a very good fit. Like I didn't, if I have to go and like, you know, and, and do like do a lot of meetings with them and, and persuade them, telling them, oh, look, this is like, this is really beneficial for you. It's going to work what I do. Then it's not a really good fit for me, like sales wise, you know? So I try to take clients who are well qualified, who are ready to, to work and they understand of, of like, you know, the value of all of this. Because eventually like you sell value. Uh, now, yes, for example, um, it's very interesting that one of the uh, my best one of the, my best clients in terms of like personally and company wise it was just like a company that uh, I met on a conference in San Francisco uh, growth hackers conference I went there and I connected with with like many people but with one of them I connected very deeply and then um, it just it was just like fate I guess that he was looking for um, you know like a like a marketer a consultant at that time because he wanted to uh, scale his business with ABM in, in the United States. And I was I was right there and um, I worked, we worked together for a year and a half and it was quite quite a journey, it was amazing because I've learned from him um, a lot in terms of like how to manage a team, how to talk to the, to the team and so on. Um, he was a big, uh, big uh, base camp, um, base camp lover, he liked, uh, Jason, what Jason Fry did with, with his agency with, with Basecamp. And I also felt like, you know, we have the same values. So I learned a lot from him 
personally, he learned a lot from me as as a you know as a, as a marketer. So um, yeah, and most of my clients are like a good, I would say personal fit, like person, sort of like agency person fit, you know, like not only business but like in terms of values, you have to align. Absolutely. So I think going looking at how you set up shop, and you mentioned earlier that you, you get quite quite bored, so you you like to focus on that that um, consultive piece and the implementation. You try and work with with clients who have that um, implementation um, resource their side, or you have members of your team that can support on that. How how do you how do you approach clients with that that always on approach with consultancy effort? So is there um, a timeline that you traditionally work with your clients and your engagement? So is it something that you work with them typically on a four or five month engagement? Is it something that you seek out to be a longer term engagement with the nature of your your offering? Or is it more short term? Mm, it depends. It depends on the client, but I would say... Uh, well, less than three months, it doesn't make sense to engage with the client because I it just won't simply, because of the nature of my work, you know, it, it takes time for results to appear. And it's I work with like, you know, usually with complex sales cycles where these decisions are made by seven, eight people and the sales cycle is six months and, and even longer, you know, up to two years, you know. So you can't even actually say if... Um, everything that I've implemented was was uh, productive or if it helped unless you go through a sales cycle. So I would say at a minimum is three months. My, I would say on average, my engagements are eight months, nine months, I would say. Okay, great. And then, and then looking at how you structure pricing, do you try and bake in that longer term engagement or do you have, a monthly or, or quarterly retainer like how, how do you think about pricing and has it evolved with your experience or the nature of the clients like how do you think about pricing yeah so um i've, I've come up with with pricing um well it, it came a long way because before i used to flex a lot i used to um uh well being a very divergent about pricing, I would have like three or three or four pricing offers and it would get all people like clients would get all confused and you know confusion doesn't help setting, right? Mm-hmm. And um I've basically came I've, I've came to the conclusion that the best pricing is like if you give give a client one price and you have add-ons that you can add. And that's the thing. Like you don't give them it's it's very clear, very concise. For someone, it might be expensive, but then, you know, it it gives you, it serves you because that's how you can serve the client best. If you give them clarity about the pricing and that what is going to be an add-on, and at this point, right? So it saves saves you time and sets the right expectations. And expectations are super super important in 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 client work. Okay, so setting the right expectations with the right time frames and right pricing is is key um so I've, it's an evolution you know i i wasn't born this smart uh it's an evolution from coming from pricing when i was pricing really low and i was hating myself for pricing low and having to work too many clients and nothing went well and you know like having challenges and clients were yelling at me until the point when i said less is more so i i 
try to, to focus on less clients who have a better fit and they um they they, pri they pay the price that i'm asking for and you know to be honest like um um you know they they select them so pricing is also a disqualification criteria because you know people who don't understand what you do they don't value you then they simply won't pay the price that you are worth and uh, you guys consultants who listen to this you are worth a lot guys okay so then don't sell yourself short sorry take an extra few seconds to write that down very 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 sound advice so just picking up on a comment that you said there you mentioned that um you reduced your clients but increased your price was that right yes exactly yeah yeah the, um, and, that's and something yeah that's something just uh, one comment here and that's something that I've, uh, i actually recommended to everyone uh, who's listening to this podcast amazing book amazing guy his name is alan weiss you alan a l a n uh, w e i s s alan weiss he has a book called million dollar consulting this is a must read for everyone who's a freelancer or consultant amazing in terms of like how to structure your work how to drive projects what to do what not to do um very good simply and this is the i, I just followed the advice written by Ellen Weiss, you know, it's all figured out. Just go and, and implement, you know? Right. And then um, final final few questions for me. So in terms of this journey that you've been on, there would have been some mistakes along the way. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind with key mistakes that you've made that you'd want to share with the audience? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so too much i um for for at the very beginning i was i was uh personalizing too much for well companies or startups which did not really matter in a way um uh, and uh, i i asked for small money which made like made me very frustrated so guys don't whenever you charge anyone please add that extra few dollars or you know because Honestly, it's going to take you, I can tell you now, it's going to take you more time to implement your agenda or help them than uh, you think it is. And it's, you know, you should ask for, for more money for whatever you're asking, you know, because you will put, if you are mindful, it will take more time. Now, um, other things that I've done, um, I was not focused on my own marketing and sales and having a, a good sales pipeline and, and uh, having a good... Uh, Flow of leads at, at all times is very important because that will help you um, basically when a client disrespects you or doesn't value work or, uh, you know, like uh, just just moves in a different direction. You need to be able to say no, okay, and follow follow your own path and help people who and, and, and work with companies who are going to value you as a consultant and, and company, okay? Right. And final question: What's next for for Stefan? What's what's your your burning few tasks that you have next? What's on your horizon for the next six, nine, twelve months? Uh, yeah, I have a I have sort of a family dream. Uh, so my family used to like own assets like worth around like ten million dollars. So that's my like my my go to goal to be a founder or co founder of a company which is worth like ten million or, or more. So that's like my, my goal as an entrepreneur and, and marketer. Um, in the next nine to 
12 months, I have a few financial goals. I, I want to like double my revenue uh, this year. We'll see how it works. Um, I want to still be mindful about, you know, it, it doesn't need to be fast money, fast money, you know, because what they say, easy come, easy go, you know, it, it needs to be like well-earned cash, but at the same time, it needs to be, it needs to feel, I want to feel well in, in all those business relationships that I'm, I'm driving. And um, eventually I want to start like, you know, I, I've been trying small businesses and um, along the way. And um, I think my, my, the way I, I see uh, life is that uh, consulting is great, but you know, um, I think that I want to be a founder myself and um, I still have this founding, I would say skill in me. Uh, and I want to, develop and, and grow small businesses and um, eventually when I get enough money to maybe have some passive income, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to create small companies and try to grow them. Excellent. And I think what's really important, the key takeaway there for me is to understand the role of what consulting serves for you and your life and your ambitions. And that's something I've heard a few times now with people that I've spoken to. It's what is this feeding is it a wider ambition of, of building something else does it serve the purpose of, of building a future agency or does it give you a much better work-life balance does it give you more of a challenge so for me it's it's understanding what that why is for you and honing in on honing in on that and building a consultancy around that so super interesting Stefan. i think we'll leave it there on that that point thank you for coming to the podcast today super interesting tons of learning for me Lots of notes for me to follow up on. Uh, so thanks for coming along. Uh, thank you, Chris. It was amazing. Um, feel free to share a link to my like LinkedIn profile, and I'll, uh, you know, if you guys need any advice, like no strings attached, come over. Let's sit together, drink coffee, beer, or wine, <laughs> or tea with milk, and uh, let's talk about your challenges. Let's let's see if I can give you any advice. Brilliant. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you, Chris.